Hello and welcome to the Football Outsiders Week 10 Preview Show. I'm Ian O'Connor, Senior Data Analyst here at Football Outsiders. And with me, as he is every week, is Tom Stracken, Football Outsiders Fantasy Analyst. Today's show will be covering all things betting and fantasy for all of the thir- the Sunday games for Week 10, as well as that Monday night football game between the Washington Commanders and Philadelphia Eagles. And speaking of fantasy, in season long, are your season long fantasy teams floundering? Well, play on Underdog Fantasy with us and double your first deposit up to $100 with promo code OUTSIDERS. Play Underdog's Battle Royale, which is a fast six-round weekly fantasy football draft where you've got easier chances to win than you have on traditional daily fantasy sports sites. You can even win $50,000 if you grab first place, which is a great payday. It's a far cry from that $2 billion lottery uh, we had in the Powerball this past weekend, but fifty grand is still a pretty good uh, first place prize. You can also try their pick'em game where you can easily pick players' chances to go higher or lower than their projected stat lines. You're basically parlaying prop bets. And you can do that even in states where traditional prop betting currently is not available. Underdog is the fastest growing fantasy site around, so join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog in the App Store and use promo code OUTSIDERS now to double your first deposit up to $100. That is a free $100 waiting for you with promo code OUTSIDERS. And with that, we'll jump right into our first Sunday game. It's another morning game here in the States, but it's in Germany this time, not in uh, England. It's the first ever NFL game in Germany. For Tampa Bay, Kate Otten had his best game as a pro last week with five catches, 68 yards, his first NFL touchdown was the game winner. I asked you about him last week because he'd been uh, been utilized a lot with Cameron Brate out. Cameron Brate did return to practice this week, but Otten's been playing well. He's been utilized. Is he worth a look this week? Seattle is only 28th against tight ends. Yeah, I think if you play in those kind of single games showdown slates or if you're looking to cover somebody who's on a bye week, then Kate Orton's definitely somebody who's interesting. I think he's an interesting person to be picking up in dynasty leagues. At the minute, he's only 23 years old, so... You know, quite often we don't see tight ends hit when they're really young, but he's shown enough early on. It's a little bit, so he's not really seeing massive target shares. He's only had one game where he's seen over sort of 10% target share on the season. And it would be good to see that. But he has had five, five and six targets in his last three games. So he's definitely a big part of it. I mean, he's far more involved than Kyle Rudolph, who I think played last week. And... You know, he's had multiple games in the last few weeks where he's scored over 50 yards, which at tight end, you know, in PPR format, sometimes that's all you really need when you're struggling at a position. Yeah, get a few catches there, 50 yards. It's eight points, which is really good in the tight end field, uh, unless you've got Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews. But looking at that yeah. Tampa Bay backfield, too, the uh, Leonard Fournette's efficiency has been bad this year. Uh, the line really isn't great, but Seattle's third against the run over the last four weeks. Would you consider starting Rashad White, who had a pretty big game last week and is getting more and more involved? It sounds like he could end up taking over this backfield as we get down the stretch. Yeah, I think that's something we're definitely going to see happen. He's somebody I drafted a lot of in best ball with that mindset and going on, so I'm really hoping it does come to fruition as well. I mean, Leonard Finette, like you said, he's not running well. He's averaging 3.3 yards per carry. He only picks up a first down on one in every five rushing attempts. Mm. Meanwhile, White's looked pretty good when he's had the ball. They've not really turned a huge amount of work over to him, but he's doing well with it. I think the biggest problem really is just this Tampa Bay offense. Like, Mm. Last year, they were scoring 3.5 offensive touchdowns per game, whereas this year, they're down to 1.4. So, Everyone in the offense is struggling to be fantasy viable. We see Chris Godwin survive because he's a PPR hog and he sees all those kind of volume ones. Mike Evans gets a lot of targets, but because of the nature of them, 
it's a little bit tougher for him and he's only putting up like 0.3 touchdowns per game. So really it would be great to see something give this offense a kickstart. And if that's the running game with somebody who can actually run the ball, then that would be fantastic to see why I do. Yeah, I mentioned Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. You're starting them if you have them, uh, but they combined for only 12 for 12 catches, but only 76 yards last week. So really wasn't a lot there. Kate Otten was only the the, the big time uh, player last week, leading the team in receiving. Scotty Miller did have seven for 53, which we don't count on moving forward. Um, but uh, said Godwin and Evans are the main two guys there. So you've got to start them on the Seattle side. Really, no questions. I think who you're starting there: DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Kenneth Walker, Geno Smith, all those guys. Bucks are only 27th against the pass, 15th against the run the last four games. Uh, I really like Lockett's total or prop here. Uh, receiving line is at 61 and a half. Tampa Bay 22nd against wide receiver twos. Lockett has five catches for 63 and plus in his last two games. So I like him to go over that number number today. Did you have anything you want to talk about on the Seattle side? Like it seems pretty straightforward. The, the main guys you're going to start. Yeah, and just touching on that Lockett one that you mentioned, I mean, he's averaging 66 yards per game that he plays, so that feels like a pretty good one. Noah Fan seems to be, he's still being outsnapped by Will Disley, but it seems like when Noah Fan is on the field, he does get targeted. He had 96 receiving yards last week. Um, it's only the first time he's cleared 50 all season, though, so if you really pushed, I'd probably prefer Kado to, to Noah Fan personally. And then looking at this game, mission, they're going over to Germany. Seattle six and three. They're two and a half point underdogs against the four and five Buccaneers here. That Seattle defense still playing very well. They're second in DVOA since week six. I'm taking the points with Seattle. Seahawks win, and I like the over 44 and a half. You know, sometimes those London or those games overseas can be a little tough, uh, but I like them to go over that. I think there will be a little bit more scoring. As much as the Bucks have struggled, I think they're going to have to put up some points here to keep up. Yeah, and I'm going with the Seahawks, uh, the Seahawks and the over as well here. It just the Bucks kind of got a little bit lucky, in my opinion, against the Rams last week. They really kind of got out of jail with that late touchdown. And I just I'm trusting the offense; it's been good, and I'm trusting the quarterback who's been good throughout the season. Moves us on to Houston plus five at the New York Giants. 40.5 point total here. Now, Damian Pierce in danger of missing this game with a chest uh, slash shoulder injury. Can't imagine Rex Burkhead is worth starting unless you're desperate, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, he's, he's he had a one game of kind of like a little bit of relevance, but generally speaking, he's not been doing very much. I think he had uh, one rush last week for nine yards against the Eagles. He had two targets and didn't really do an awful lot with him. So, yeah, he had that huge blow-up game last year, where which I think he got signed by the Texans on the back of it straight away after. But generally speaking, he's not somebody that I'd be desperate to play unless you're in a really, really desperate situation. I, did, I think Damian Pierce did practice today. I think I saw it before we jumped on. Um, aside from that, I mean, Cooks and Nico Collins are probably okay fringe starters, but that's about as much as it gets for me on that side of things. Yeah. And on the Giants side, you can probably feel confident starting any of those top Giants you have against Houston's 30th ranked run defense. And we know that uh, that run defense is very bad, in particular dead last. Saquon Barkley is probably going to be a popular, if not the most popular DFS play this week, you think? Yeah, he's priced up quite a bit. He's uh, even more expensive than Derrick Henry. He's the most expensive running back on the slate. You know, he run, he ranks six amongst running backs in effective yards, and he, he's the RB6 in PBR scoring. Like, you know, sometimes you just want to plug in the guy who's going to really get it done. 
and I think the only worry is that this game just dissolves into a slow-paced game where it never really hits the ceiling that you'd be hoping for. Yeah, I may not get super high. I do like his prop line, uh, <laughs> kind of like we do again for all Texans, all running backs going against the Texans. It's over 93 and a half. It is a lot. Uh, Miles Sanders had 93 yards last week, was only his third game over 90. We know Henry and uh, Jacobs crushed the prior two weeks. Barkley only has three games over 83 rushing yards this year, but he's got a couple big ones, and I think he gets over 100 this week and and tops that prop of 93 and a half. As far as the, the betting this one, I mentioned at the top of the spread, Giants only five-point favorites. I mean, we've got that pretty close. Their defense isn't great. The offense uh, has been good enough. They haven't been making a lot of mistakes. What do you like on this one looking at the uh, the spread and the total here? Yeah, pretty straightforward. Giants to cover and the under. Um, I'm, I just – I feel like the Texans are a real mess at the minute. Davis Mills, you know, he had a few brief moments against the Eagles last week, but he's looked so bad compared to last year, and it's kind of hard for me to have much faith in them. And I think the Giants' defense is going to give them a tough day. Yep, I'm with you there. I don't think New York has much trouble with Houston here. Uh, all their wins have been close. I like the Giants to cover, though. The defense uh, has been good at times. In DVOA, they're not great, but they are allowing less than 20 points per game. So I lean slightly under there as well between the Giants and the Texans. Moving on to Denver, plus two and a half at Tennessee, 36 and a half point total here. Now, Chase Edmonds has had over a week to get integrated into this offense is being traded to Denver. Tough matchup against Tennessee's number one ranked rush defense in DVOA. You kind of taking a wait and see approach here uh, before starting Edmonds. Yeah, and the problem with Edmonds was that he just looked so terrible in Miami. I mean, apart from that week one where he had a couple of touchdowns, he was like really down low in all the efficiency metrics. And it's kind of hard to trust him. And whilst, you know, part of that could be on he just didn't fit the scheme in Miami, you know, it's a crowded backfield in Denver. They weren't running the ball very well these last few weeks at times. So I'm kind of, I think. You, you can talk yourself into Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton. I am particularly more interested in Greg Dulcich on that side of things. You know, it's rare for a rookie tight end to come in and make moves straight away. But through three games that he played, he had 17 targets, including four deep targets, which were over 20 yards downfield. And he finished as a tight end 11, 7, and 9. So, particularly against the Titans defense, which will have the 30th most fantasy points to tight ends and just let Travis Kelsey run all over them. Yep. Dulcich is somebody I'm really excited about. I think he's only 3,400 on DraftKings this week. And it feels like if the Broncos weren't coming off their bye week, there'd be a lot more talk about him. Yeah, but that actually gets to the point I was going to say. He's still available when I was doing the waiver column this week in like only or over almost 80 or over 75% of leagues in ESPN. He was only rostered in like 36% of Yahoo leagues. And I think that was because they were on bye. A lot of people maybe looking, uh, they needed yeah. a tight end last week or not really looking, they were looking matchup-wise at who was coming up. So really good pick up there. If he's still available in your league, go get him. Uh, you mentioned Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy's receiving line set at 49 and a half yards. I do like the over there. Tennessee's only 30th against wide receiver twos. I know it's been kind of hit or miss for Judy this year with where and really a lot of that Denver offense, but I think that's a, a pretty good play there. Anyone worth starting outside of Henry on the Titans side against the league's number two overall defense? Well, I think we're still kind of in a little bit of wait and see on Brian Tannehill. I, I missed whether he'd practiced yesterday. And I think, you know, if Ryan Tannehill plays, you can talk yourself into playing Robert Woods. But, 
you know, this past game hasn't looked particularly great, even with Tannehill in there. And I think, you know, maybe when Traylon Burks is back, we can start talking about this passing game because there should be more options and perhaps receivers will be able to actually get open. But, you know, last week, Malik Willis had a 42% completion rate and it just, it was miserable. And, you know, the Chiefs passing defense isn't an elite one. So against the Broncos pass defense, I'm not really interested in starting a well below average passing attack. Yeah, not a lot to like on the Tennessee offensive side, but the defense is playing well. They're ninth in DVOA since the week two loss to Buffalo where they gave up 41 points. Denver's number two on the season easily. I mentioned the, the 36 and a half point total. That's easily the lowest total of the week. I think the next closest is 40 and a half or right at 40. I think this could be something like 17, 14, 2013. I actually am siding with the under on this, even at a low number, but I am going to go with the Titans to pull the upset here. I'm going with the Titans. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm basing much like I ended up doing last week when I thought that the Titans would cover against the Chiefs. I was thinking that Ryan Tannehill would end up playing, and although he didn't last week, it just feels like unless there's a serious issue, which we're not aware of, then at some point he's got to be coming back. And the Titans, you know, they need to start picking up wins now after those two losses. Chiefs are nine and a half point favorites, got a 50 and a half point total on this one. Jaguars are 11th against wide receiver ones, but only 30th defending passes in the middle of the field. Juju Smith-Schuster got a lot of work there recently. Is he one of the top targets or top plays in DFS this week uh, going against Jacksonville? Yeah, definitely. He's probably one of my favorite plays of the week that I wrote up in my DFS column. I think it's just like, you know, he's finished in the top eight amongst wide receivers in PPR in his last three games. And, uh, you know, you outlined the defense. They rank 30th against the pass in the last four weeks. Um, you know, he's established himself as that wide receiver one in quite a crowded mid receiver room behind him it gets messy you've got MVS who leads the team in snaps you've got McCall Hardman who scored a touchdown last week Sky Moore set a career high in his own snaps and then you've got Kadarius Tony who saw two targets but only on six routes so it's kind of like okay there's there's a big mess behind Juju but for the reasons you laid out he's a smash play for me I mean we see the Chiefs just seem to have abandoned the run now. They seem to be getting nothing out of it. And instead, they're just softening up defenses by throwing the ball short to Travis Kelsey and Juju and just marching down the field that way. So I feel really good about Juju. Um, aside from that, I think if you're stacking this game heavily, you know, if you put in Patrick Mahomes and Juju in, I'm not averse to put in, you know, additional players like MVS or Kadarius Tony or Sky Moore on there. But I'm not expecting an awful lot out of them at the same time. Yeah, and Juju's receiving line wasn't up yet before we jumped on here that I could find. I'd lean towards his over when it comes out. You mentioned the last three games he's been really good. He's at 88, 124, and 113, so it could be a big day there. And then you mentioned stacking the Chiefs. Now, if you are stacking Mahomes and Juju, Mahomes, Kelsey, someone like that, and you want a cheaper bring back, is Zay Jones a good choice? I know he's a popular waiver wire pickup this week and has had some decent production for most of the year, it seems like, or at least here recently. Yeah, I don't mind Zay Jones at all. I mean, he's averaging 6.9 targets per game on the season. He's seen six red zone targets, which is second on the Jags behind Christian Kirk's 11. So, you know, he has a steady 20% target share, so he's established himself as a part of that role. And he seems to be more consistently popping up than Marvin Jones, uh, who, you know, 
is a good player, but seems to be on the wrong age of fit, wrong side of 30 now and not able to put up his big game. So I'd definitely be fine playing Zay Jones this week. I think, you know, particularly if you're making those kind of cheap stacks, you need to be looking at ways to get different. And he's only 4,400 this week, so you don't need an awful lot out of him to make that stack pay off. Yeah, Jaguars probably going to have to throw the ball quite a bit to keep up with Kansas City as well. So those receivers could all have some pretty good games. As we said, the cheaper option there, if you don't want to go with Christian Kirk for the the Jaguars. Now, looking at this game overall betting-wise, I could see the Chiefs running away with this, but could also see the Jaguars staying in it. They have shown uh, shown over the course of the year, uh, playing the Eagles close there for a while before the Eagles kind of pulled away, uh, just manhandling the Chargers back when they were somewhat healthy. I know that it seems like they haven't been healthy all year. I think the Jaguars cover late. Uh, maybe they're down 14, 15, and they score a touchdown to get it uh, inside of 10. And then both teams are top 10 in pace this year. Uh, and we know how explosive that Chiefs offense is still even without Tyree Kill. So I think this one goes over, even at a, a pretty high total of 50 and a half. Yeah, I've gone with Kansas City to cover and then be over. I just feel like the Chiefs, they're really hitting their stride at the minute. Patrick Mahomes seems to be like, you know, he's really playing well over the last few weeks, and it just seems hard to bet against them. I think if it was in Jacksonville, I'd probably lean the other way. But on the road in Arrowhead, I just fancy the Chiefs to cover. Yeah, tough place to play, and the Chiefs definitely hitting their stride right now here, halfway through, exactly halfway through the season. Go moving on to a game that's got one big question mark here. We're looking at Minnesota plus three and a half at Buffalo, forty-three and a half point total. Really good matchup for Buffalo against just an average Minnesota defense uh, by DVOA. But the big question here is Josh Allen, if he'll play. He's, he was not at practice today. What are your thoughts on the receivers for Buffalo if it's Case Keenum under center? We do know it is a revenge game for Stephon Diggs against Minnesota. Yeah, and obviously Stephon Diggs has that chemistry with uh, Case Keenum from their time together in Buffalo. So I don't feel overly worried about that. Uh, Case Keenum played two games last year for the Browns, and he had a 65% completion record through for, I think it was like 230 passing yards on average, and he had three total touchdowns. So when he did play last year, he wasn't bad by any means. I think, you know, there was definitely a point where it felt like the Browns might be better off staying with him instead of going back to Big Mayfield. Um, so I'm fine with that. Um, Stefan Diggs is 8,300, so it's quite a pricey risk to take, but... You know, those are the kind of plays sometimes that will win you tournaments. Um, Case Keenum, I'd be surprised if he's any more than 500. Yeah, he's 5,000, which is kind of like the standard rate for backup quarterbacks. So you can build quite a nice stack with the two of them for just 1,300. Outside of him, Gabe Davis has been so boom bust this year. Yeah, he's got one game with more than three catches. He's had four games with less than 40 receiving yards. Than three games with more than 70, so he's really boom bust. But you do know that he has the potential to blow the slate open. So, I, at a push in DFS, I don't mind him. It'll be like I'm kind of interested to see what shakes out with the running back. So, because you know, if Case Keenum, if they're not able to play their game as much as they'd like to, do they end up leaning on Devin Singletree? Naeem Hines made his debut last week, just one target and was mainly on pun duty. So, yeah, I, but. At the same time, the Vikings rank seventh against running backs as receivers, so it doesn't really feel like a great matchup for pass-catching backs anyway. So really, you know, if you've got confidence, I wouldn't tell you to not play them. I just am sort of tempering expectations that little bit. 
yeah, tough to know until we get to, to Sunday and know if Josh Allen's going to play or not. Even then, you wonder how how uh, healthy he'll be. Obviously, probably won't be 100%. But on the other side, we saw Green Bay commit to the run against Buffalo. Aaron Jones had a big day. Uh, that game looked really good. I don't imagine Minnesota having the same game plan. They have thrown it a lot more than they have it, did in the past with Mike Zimmer, pass-first offense. But can Dalvin Cook still have a big day for DFS purposes? you think maybe they will run it a little bit more against Buffalo? I think Dalvin Cook's one of those players who we've not really seen too many blow-up games from him this year, and he doesn't seem to be getting quite as many touches as he did in previous years. You know, there's been points with Dalvin Cook where, you know, he would just be barely off the field, but the team seems to be managing him quite well, whether that's a one eye on the playoffs. He's averaging 18 touches a game, which is, it's good, but, you know, a lot of these workhorse running backs are in the low ends of the 20s, so... I don't hate it, but it's definitely, you know, running backs against the Bills just feels like, you know, not a perfect matchup really because the game could easily get out of hand if Josh Allen's playing and then they find themselves having to pass a lot. So, yeah, it's definitely like, you know, you don't start, you don't sit Dalvin Cook. And I think he's somebody who will go overlooked in DFS because he's priced at 8,000 and it doesn't cost you a lot. It's only 100 more to get up to Nick Chubb, who was a far better matchup. Yeah, it could be a, a thing where if Case Keenum does play and you think maybe Minnesota is going to get up in this game, that they'll run it a little bit more uh, to kind of put them away. But again, uh, with everything here, it's hard to pick and hard to know with that uncertainty surrounding Allen. Looking at the line, I mentioned it's three and a half. It's dropped from seven and a half down to three and a half. If Allen plays, I like Buffalo to cover. Uh, if you got if you've got it at three and a half, I'm sure it'll move a little bit if he's back in. But I do think Buffalo can still win with Case Keenum. Their defense is just so good and has been so good this year. But it will be closer. I would take probably lean Minnesota to cover at that point. Uh, maybe a, a closer, low scoring game. Uh, but I do with saying it could be lower scoring. I do like the over either way. Uh, the difference of being over 43 and a half, like 24, 21. Uh, I think it could be, could be pretty close there, but do like the over, especially if Josh Allen's in this game. Yeah. I'm with you across the board there. I mean, these prices are prices for uh, expecting Josh Allen not to play, but I don't think the step down from Allen to case Keenum is the same as, you know, some of the situations we've got like in, LA, for example, with the Rams this weekend. So, yeah, I think that's fine. Chase Claypool's gone. Could mean more work for Pat Fryermuth, but the Saints are number one defending tight ends this year. Is he still worth starting with an expected or a potential volume increase? His volume's already pretty high, seeing seven or more targets in three of the last four. Yeah, that's it. And like, basically, over the last three games he played, he'd averaged 8.3 targets, which is only behind Travis Kelsey. So, I think, you know, Mike Tomlin went out of his way this week to talk at Primer for someone who could take that role, picking up the kind of dink and dunk passes across the middle of the field. So it's it's definitely not a matchup that I like. He's somebody I kind of reluctantly wrote up in the DFS column this week because the Saints also, like, ranked number one against tight ends in DVOA and fantasy points to position. So it's like that double down, nothing good is happening. Um, but sometimes... You know, this isn't if you're playing double up games on DFS, I would not be playing him. But I think if you're playing tournaments and if you think this game can get a little bit feisty and if you're looking to correlate 
Alvin Kamara or Chris Olave with Pat Fryermuth to get a little game stack and hope that you get some out of it, then that's definitely fine. I think George Pickens will be a fairly popular pick this week. Um, let's pull up his price. He's only 5000 and quite often we see rookies coming out of the, bump, uh, the bye week receive a bump in production. So I would expect him to be owned. And sticking on that Pittsburgh side, uh, one more guy with an expected workload increase, Jalen Warren. Uh, expected to get a little bit more work and has been talked up a little bit. The Saints gave up 188 rushing yards last week to Baltimore. Is he maybe a sneaky flex play in season long and or DFS, or do you think he, he maybe won't get enough work to really be worth playing? Yeah, I'm not sure that we get quite enough work out of him for DFS purposes. I think, you know, his salary is only 4900 but really there you're talking about wanting a 15-point game out of him to really pay that off. Like you pretend to look for, if you lop off the hundreds and look at that first number and times it by three, that's what you're kind of aiming for a lot of the time. And even, you know, even in the games where Warren's seen a decent amount of touches, like in the last game, he had nine touches, which was six rushing attempts and three receptions. He only totaled 10 DraftKings points. So... I'm kind of a little skeptical that he's going to get quite the workload. I think some of the reports coming out were opinion pieces as much as anything. Um, I know Mike Tomlin said some vague stuff about it, but I'm kind of, unless we hear something more concrete from somebody like Adam Schefter or so, then I'll probably be in a wait and see mode on it. But I have picked up Warren in a couple of leagues I'm in this week. And I think if he's available on the waiver wire, he's worth doing just to see what happens. Yeah, could end up having a big role like we talked about with Rashad White there. Um, you mentioned Chris Olave, Alvin Kamara. You're starting them everywhere. Um, probably good plays in DFS. Anyone else you like on that New Orleans side against Pittsburgh? Not particularly. I mean, Chris Olave is 100% somebody I'll be playing a lot of this week. I mean, the Ravens have only allowed five top 24 wide receiver performances against them this year, and Olave did that, and he just looks really good. You know, he doesn't look like a rookie. He's really smooth in the way he runs his routes. And, yeah, he leads all rookies in targets, receptions, yardage, and fantasy points. Um, we've seen this Steelers defense struggle at times. So definitely in on him. I think Alvin Kamara should probably have a better day than he did against the Ravens. Um, Roquan Smith was just shutting him down every time he got the ball. And uh, it sounds like Mark Ingram's going to be out for a little bit still. So, We've seen Kamara have the ball a lot more in those situations. I think it's Juwan Johnson was just kind of like getting into that territory where he had a kind of reliable role. And Adam Troutman returned last on Monday night and seemed to eat into it just a little bit. So that's kind of worth paying attention to for deeper leagues. Um, Juwan Johnson did get that long touchdown, which was a bit comical. But yeah, it's... Not fantastic, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Andy Dalton benched in this game. Yeah, and Taysom Hill uh, was not used very much on Monday night, but always a possibility to go off in a game. So uh, I know I'm holding him at least in one league just to kind of see what happens. But in this game, the line has dropped from three to one and a half. I'm not exactly sure. I haven't seen anything that indicates not any major injuries uh, that we know of. Uh, Steelers coming out of the bye. I would have taken the Saints at minus three. So. I'm going to take the the Saints minus one and a half. Pittsburgh's 30th in DVOA since Kenny Pickett became the starter. They're 31st in offense, 27th in defense. No better than 22nd in any category of passing or rushing offense or defense. Really just not a lot to like. I think there is still, as you mentioned, and we talked about there is still some fantasy value, but 
betting it here, even the, despite some of the struggles, I think the Saints win with ease. I don't think the scoring reaches 40, though. Um, there have been some struggles on both sides. Pittsburgh, we know that offense. And the Saints' defense can be good. They haven't been great, but they can be good. So, again, I've said to say all that to say, against Saints, I'll take the cover of the one and a half and the under 40. Yeah, I'm on the opposite side of things here. I think I quite like the Steelers coming off a bye. I think, you know, the certain teams are, just seem to – I do not have the stats to hand, but it just feels – Mike Tomlin feels like the kind of manager who's going to be good off a bye week. I feel like Andy Dalton really struggled the other night. He missed some really open throws at times, and I feel like if TJ Watt's back, which is a possibility for this game, then they could absolutely get after him again. Yeah, good point. And the number I think I saw Tomlin is 11 and four coming off a bye. Obviously, all of those or pretty much all those with Big Ben. Kenny Pickett is not. But to your point, a very good coach has his team prepared coming out of byes. So could be uh, could shock some people. Not a huge upset. Again, one and a half point total there for the Saints. Detroit plus three at Chicago, 48 point total. Justin Fields killing it right now. Had a huge game last week. The number one quarterback in fantasy in for another big game. Is he maybe the top quarterback play in DFS this week? I think he'll probably be the most popular play. Uh, I think, you know, his price has jumped up by $900 up to $6,500 this week. And it's hard not to see people just absolutely loading him in for both tournament games and double ups. Um, everything he's been doing, I mean, like over the last three weeks, he's scored 20 points more than any other quarterback in that period. And he just looks like a completely different player to one that we saw early on in the season. So yeah, completely fine with him. I think you could look at stacking him with Darnell Mooney, Cole Kmet's been in reasonable form with like, I think three touchdowns in the last couple of games. And then you Chase Claypool will be somebody who probably proves popular. He had six targets and a rushing attempt despite playing only 35% of snaps. You know, we see quite often with these kind of trades, we see players get targeted early on and Claypool was targeted on two of Fields' first four passing attempts. So, you know, we've talked about how bad this Lions defense is against the pass. They're ranked 31st in DVOA against wide receiver twos. So I think that's probably where you could put Claypool into it a minute and I'd be completely fine playing any of them. Yeah. I think the running backs, it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of shakes out of a minute. If I had to pick one, I'd probably lean towards Khalil Herbert. Like last week, neither of it. I mean, in a day where Justin Fields went for 178 rushing yards, Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery combined for less than eight PPR points on 21 rushing attempts so it was really striking but I do feel like Herbert's been consistently the more explosive of the two and um, the price back to back at the minute so David Montgomery 6,000 Khalil Herbert's 5,900 and I would just lean towards the idea that not many people are probably going to play them because they're very similar in price they both had workloads similar at times and yeah if I'm chasing tournaments and the big win I feel like Herbert could unlock that. And you mentioned Cole Komet. He scored three touchdowns last week, had a season high in targets and catches, plus had two. Lions only 24th against tight ends, and they gave up nine catches for 89 yards on 10 targets to the Green Bay's trio of tight ends last week. Even Mercedes Lewis got in on the action there. So it could be a good play this week and kind of coming on here lately. For Detroit, if you're looking at their receivers, both Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell again had big days against Chicago. The Bears are only 28th against wide receiver ones. This seems like a huge bounce back spot for Amon Ross St. Brown, who hasn't gotten as many touchdowns here lately, but is still getting the work, right? 
Yeah, that's it. I mean, like last week he set a season high in target share with 37%, which is just huge. Like, you know, a lot of these wide receivers, we talk about 20%, but like, yeah, it's just, there's not an awful lot there. I mean, you know, Swift's banged up, Hawkinson's gone. DJ Chark's on uh, IR. Josh Reynolds seems to be banged up all the time. So it's basically Eamon Rossing Brown and Cleef Raymond, and then people whose names you're going to struggle <laughs> to come up with. You know, Chicago ranked 28th against wide receiver ones, 26th in pass against the pass over the last four weeks. So I would expect Eamon Ra to be very popular. I don't have a problem with anyone playing him in DFS this week. I'll probably play him in cash games where you can really bank on that volume and hopefully we get one of those big 30-point games out of him again. Yeah, his receiving yards set at 67 and a half. He's got 55 and 69 in the last two games. And again, he's just going to get all the work, get peppered with targets. And uh, the Bears gave up a lot to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle last week. So I think that's a pretty good one for him to go over 67 and a half. Looking at the betting side of this, what do you think with uh, the Bears? Three-point favorites doesn't happen often and hit a 48-point total. Yeah, I'm going with the home team, the Bears. Just, uh, you know, this Lions team haven't been a good team. I think they've done slightly better on the road. I might be wrong there. Um, but I'm going with Chicago, and I'm going with the over. I'm being optimistic with this is another one of those games that's great for DFS and hopefully returns a lot of points. Yep, I think I'm uh, 100% agree with you there. Taking Chicago, they're ninth in offense over the last three weeks, averaging over 31 points per game. The defense is only 31st, but Detroit uh, had a decent showing last week uh, as a team, but <laughs> that was mostly due their defensive performance to Green Bay's just anemic offense. Detroit was dead last in defense until that like that game last week. So I like the Bears. I like the over as well with you. Of course, the uh, Football Outsiders projections have the under. Not only do we have the under, we have it as our highest confidence pick of the week. But, oh, well, I'm going to stick with the over. I think there could be a lot of boring with some, some struggling defenses there. So, over, both taking the over, both taking Chicago there. Moving on to Cleveland, plus four at Miami. 49-point total here. Could be a lot of fantasy points in this one. Miami's 31st against the pass, 7th against the run. We know Nick Chubb's going to get his work and get the volume. Is Jacoby Brissett, though, maybe a sneaky play here in DFS against that Miami pass defense that's really struggled? I don't hate it, but I think with when you look at these players who had nothing on the ground, these kind of statue quarterbacks, um, you, you know, and Jacoby Brissett, maybe he's not quite a statue. He does pick up the odd sort of 10, 15 yards in games. But you kind of have to look at, okay, what's a ceiling game for Jacoby Brissett? And I think it's fair to sort of say a couple hundred yards and two touchdowns, which, you know, you can walk away on DraftKings with as little as sort of like 13, 14 points around there. Um, so really, you know, he's had one game all year where he's gone over 20 DK points. So I feel like you can get access to the points in this game without needing to take him. Instead, you can use, you know, that salary to look towards a quarterback who's kind of similar. So in that range, you've got Trevor Lawrence, you've got uh, not much more expensive is Jared Goff even, who at least, you know, because of the defense there, we see yep. the Lions getting there a little more shootouts. So, yeah, I think on the Cleveland side of things, Nick Chubb, Definitely a smash play. You know, Miami ranks seventh against the rush, but they've not met Nick Chubb. I like Donovan Peoples-Jones this week. He's only 4,300. And whilst Amari Cooper's picked up quite a lot of publicity about how well he's doing, 
Donovan Peoples-Jones has been a wide receiver three in the last three weeks. He's averaged 6.2 targets per game. He's had no touchdowns this year, but he still managed to have five double-digit PPR performances. So it's like, you know, if a little bit swings his way and he ends up with a touchdown as well as that, that's a real smash play at 4,300. Um, I'm interested to see if David Njoku makes it back. He said he was going to play, but then he didn't practice yesterday. But before he got injured in week seven, he had three top six finishes amongst tight ends in a row. So I'd have no problem plugging him back in if he gets in at least one decent practice. Yeah, he was off to the side from what I heard today. It sounded like he was likely going to be a non-participant. Uh, but still has tomorrow, Saturday, a couple days possibly to get in there. The Donovan Peoples-Jones uh, pick you mentioned there, I really like him and his his, his uh, receiving line is set at 41 and a half. Might be one of my favorite of the week. Uh, you mentioned he's averaging 6.2 targets per game. Also 4.6 catches for 69.4 yards since the start of October. Uh, start of October. That's five games, and he's got 50-plus in all five of them. So 41 and a half against a, a Miami pass defense that struggled. I really like that, that bet there. On the other side, Cleveland is kind of the opposite defensively. They're better against the pass than the run. They're still only, though, 21st and 26th against wide receiver one, wide receiver two. Starting Hill, starting Waddle, no doubts about it there. But in the backfield there, with a full week of practice, Jeff Wilson could have a bigger day against their 30th-ranked rush defense. Raheem Mostert got in the end zone on the ground while Wilson got in through the air last week. Are both running backs okay starts, kind of like we see with uh, Chicago? I think so. Uh, I think, you know, you can definitely pick one for DFS purposes and hope they get the touchdowns. Uh, I'm a little more optimistic that the passing game is going to be, you know, I feel like these stats might be lying to us a little bit in some ways because, you know, apart from beating the Bengals who we beat before the bye week and they've had the Bengals number for a couple of years now, they haven't faced a pass-focused attack since facing Justin Herbert in week five. They've been playing teams like the Ravens and uh, the Patriots, these teams who like to run a lot. So I feel like, you know, there's no reason to be afraid for the passing game. And we've seen what Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill can do. Um, so, yeah, I don't mind taking Wilson almost. Uh, I think it'd be easy to fall into the trap of thinking that Wilson's going to steal the job because he had a good game last week. Um, when we've seen when Mike McDaniel was in San Francisco, try to guess what goes on with the running backs is always tricky. Absolutely. And Wilson and, and Mostert, I think, got equal carries. Wilson had a lot more rushing yardage. I mentioned Mostert got the touchdown. Uh, three targets to two targets for Wilson and Mostert. Uh, Wilson caught both of his. Mostert did not catch either. So that's part of the reason he had the bigger day last week. So it could be either one there. This should be an exciting game, though, overall. Like I said, could be a lot of fantasy points. Could be a lot of points scored. They're right next to each other in DVOA. Both top five offenses, both bottom ten defenses. That's a recipe for scoring in my book. So I, I think Miami wins. I think Cleveland covers, keeps it pretty close again at four points. Uh, maybe this is a three-point game, and I definitely think we see it go over 49. How about you? I'm going with Miami here. It's uh, just Miami but the under. I just think this Cleveland offense, they're good, but they're not really shootout type of good. Moving on to a game that's really not very pretty at all. Indianapolis plus six at Las Vegas, 42 and a half points. Really not sure what to expect with Jeff, Jeff Saturday taking over a head coach for the Colts. Now, Jonathan Taylor, it sounds like he's probably going to be back this week. Has a decent matchup, but that Colts O-line is second worst in adjusted line yards. So not what it once was. Are you trusting Jonathan Taylor this week? I think it's tricky because 
when he has been on the field, he's not looked good. Like, you know, he's a far cry from last year. You know, all his stats are way down. I mean, you know, and you can blame part of that on uh, the offensive line, but also he's not running that great in yards after contact, you know. So, you know, you spend one-on-one probably. So yep. if you're going to play him, then you probably have to start him. I would not be starting him in in daily fantasy. I mean, he's only 7,500, which perhaps he's got a slate-breaking opportunity there, but it just feels really difficult to play him at the minute. And I do think Jeff Saturday feels like the type of manager, uh, head coach who would like to establish the hell out of a run. <laughs> yeah, the volume could be there, maybe not the efficiency, like you said, just hasn't really looked great. Now, that Colts defense is just outside top 10 in the DVOA. You're starting Josh uh, Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams, though. But the Colts are only 27th against tight ends. Darren Waller was put on IR today. Foster Moreau was one of the tight ends I wrote about in the waiver wire this week. Played at least 96% of the snaps in every game since Waller's been out. So that's week, I think, seven on. I think they had their bye in week six. He left in week five. Is he a quality play in DFS in season long for you? I think so. And he's only 3,200. So he'll be somebody who I add into the column probably tonight or tomorrow morning. Um you know, 3,200, you really don't need an awful lot. Like, uh, yeah, he had five targets last week, nine the week before, five the week before that. And that's the kind of volume that can do just fine for this. So I think that's completely fine. I think Mac Hollins is somebody who's interesting. You know, we've seen him play a couple of games this year where both Renfro and Darren Waller were out and his PPR points rocketed to like 18 points per game. So... He's somebody I'll also be adding into the column, and I think he can play with confidence. I just worry about this game actually being competitive and being having enough points in it to make it worth playing heavily. Yeah, you're right. And Matt Collins there, I was going to mention, Henry Renfro was also put on IR today. They lost a couple guys, it seemed like, within about half an hour. So it's rough there. Devontae Adams is going to get a ton of targets. Matt Collins, as you mentioned, has been really good when given the opportunity this year. Now, looking at this game overall, I mentioned it's a six-point spread in favor of Las Vegas, 42-and-a-half. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I'm, I'm going with the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders desperately need a win. I think the Colts going on the road with this week, they didn't even seem to know who was calling plays. Like, how's Jeff Saturday even going to know the playbook? <laughs> it just it feels a little comical. Sam Ellinger, the wheels really came off last week and I don't have any faith in the Colts whatsoever. So I've gone with uh, the Raiders to cover and the under. Yeah. So I agree on the under two below average offenses under 42 and a half. I went the other way on the spread, just uh, not even uh, data-based analytically based or anything. Just sometimes seems like new coaches kind of ignite a fire in their team. They get a win in their debuts. I don't think the Colts win given the state of their offense It's dead last in the league. But I think they can cover because the Raiders just can't put anybody away, it seems like. They've blown, what, three at 17 or 21-point leads this year. It's been rough. Uh, the Colts defense, I mentioned, has been pretty good this year, just outside the top 10. So I think they're able to keep it close, uh, and they're able to cover, but the Raiders do win as well because there's really not a lot to like about the Colts on paper. Just uh, kind of a gut feeling there. Head coach coming in first time, there's been a lot of negativity around it, so I think maybe they – they rally together and are able to keep it close. So Dallas minus five at Green Bay, 43 point total. 
man, this Green Bay offense could really struggle if they haven't already against Dallas's number one defense in DVOA. They're top 10 against the rush and the pass, top 11 against all receiving players except tight end, where they're 17th, still fairly average. Can we feel confident even starting guys like Aaron Jones and Alan Lazard in this game? No, I don't think we can. I mean, Aaron Jones is coming off kind of an injury and, uh, if he misses out, AJ Dillon's been really bad. Like Aaron Jones ranks third in Russian DYAR, whilst Dillon ranks 25th. He's failed to find the end zone since week one, despite having like leading the team in red zone rushing attempts with 11. So Alan Lazard, I kind of do feel fine about. Um, so, you know, he's got 14 PPR points on average in games this season. He's had four top 24 finishes, and his role does seem to be kind of fine, but. Even then, I really worry for Green Bay in this game. It doesn't feel like it's going to be a friendly one for them. I agree. Unfortunately, it's going to be <laughs> going to be a tough one to watch. Now, on the, the Dallas side, Tony Pollard may get another start this week. Zeke's still dealing with that MCL injury. Green Bay's 31st against the run in DVA, he, DVOA. Last time he played, he broke the slate. I think he could could do it again this week, couldn't he? Yeah, he's uh, gone up in price. So last last time there, he was uh, it was only sixty one hundred, and he returned thirty six points. And if you didn't have Tony Pollard, it didn't really matter what you were doing. You weren't making a lot of money. Uh, but this week, he's up to sixty five hundred. Zeke's down at six thousand. So if Zeke does play, if he's healthy, it's kind of tricky to play either of them because it's not like you're getting a discount on Pollard. Uh, if Zeke doesn't play, I will play some Pollard. I just have concerns that this is going to be a very slow game and not a lot of points in it. Yeah, and that, I mentioned that Packers offense may get embarrassed by Micah Parsons and company. Green Bay defense has been pretty good since the loss to the Giant, the Giants' 11th over that span. The money's on the Green Bay spread, 54% for the Packers, 80% of the money on the Packers' money line as of this morning on Vegas Insider. I don't agree with the money line. I think the Cowboys win. I think Green Bay can cover this one five points. The defense maybe can can keep it close because, again, they've got some injuries, but they've been pretty good uh, lately. Over half the bets, most of the money are on the over. So are our projections. So I'll go with the over, too. So I'll say uh, Packers find a way to cover. Cowboys win. Uh, they're at home. Or the Packers are at home, so they find a way to cover. Cowboys win and the over for me. Um. And I take no pleasure in it, but I'm going with the Dallas side of things. I just feel like this this Dallas team is somebody who a lot of people in the media respect and, you know, the very high in power rankings and a lot of people in the public are kind of like, well, why are they so high? I don't think this much of them. And I think this is the game where Dallas's defense really shows the country, the world, kind of just how dominant they can be. Um, I've been with the under. But, you know, if I'm wrong, then it'll turn into a very good entertaining game, which Absolutely. And this one will be on TV. So I believe so. Hopefully it is entertaining. And uh, again, I could definitely see the Packers just getting blown out in this one. So hopefully not Arizona plus one and a half at the Rams 41 point total. Uh, Cole McCoy had a couple of good games last year in three starts went two and one. Uh, John Wolford had one start in 2020 against Arizona. They won 18 to seven, but he wasn't great. Looking at the receivers in this one, uh, Arizona's top six against wide receiver one and wide receiver two. Ben Skoranek was the leading receiver in week three against Arizona. Is he maybe kind of a sneaky flex play there at, at a low price if you're looking for someone cheap? I don't think so because it just feels like 
since Van Jefferson came back that it's kind of like a little too messy. Last week, Ben Skoranek did outsnap Van Jefferson 64% to 35%. So it seems like he's a little bit ahead of Van Jefferson currently. But he doesn't, you know, he only had two targets. So really you're counting on one of them ended up being a touchdown to make it worthwhile, which with this LA Rams team, it's a little hard to bet on any kind of touchdowns happening. Uh, I think I wrote, I wrote up Tyler Higby with the idea that Matt Stafford would play, but I think his, you know, having concussion seems to be more likely to rule him out than uh, uh, Kyler's injury. So, Oh, Tyler Higby has played four games with uh, John Warford, and in those games, he's had average four and a half targets for 40 receiving yards. So I don't hate that. I think, you know, against this Arizona team who leak points to tight ends, I would consider it. Uh, I feel more confident that on the Arizona side of things that Kyler's going to play, though. So really, on the Rams, you know, Cooper Cup's Cooper Cup. You've got to start him in season-long leagues. I wouldn't start him in DFS this week because he's such a high price, and in this situation, it'd be very easy to see him bust. The running game's absolutely dreadful. Like you know, Cam Akers managed three yards on five attempts. Daryl Henderson of the team's longest run of the season with a twenty-three-yard effort. So, really, Higby and Cup are probably the only two players I would consider playing this week. Yeah, for in that backfield, Kyron Williams could be back you know, playing his first game this week, but I, that, I think you've got to take a wait-and-see approach with him, just the way that backfield has been. You mentioned more optimistic uh, Kyler Murray is going to play. I had anything here basically for you. Just open any question, anything on the Arizona side that you like or maybe dislike? Yeah, well, so I'm, I'd call DeAndre Hopkins my fade of the week this week. I think, you know, after those two games where he came back and he saw, like, well, he saw 32 targets over the last three games, which is the fourth most amongst receivers in that period. It's It kind of went off the tracks a little bit in the second half last week. Uh, and then you look back at Hopkins' last three games against the Rams, and he's had five receptions for 54 yards, four receptions for 67 yards, four receptions for 35 yards, and zero touchdowns in all of them. And a lot of those games, he was getting double-digit targets, but he just wasn't able to do anything. I think this Rams defense is starting to find their feet a little bit more. They seem to be getting a little bit healthier. So I definitely won't be playing him. I think there's far better options at wide receiver around him. In terms of running back, it was interesting to see James Conner come back and immediately take all the workload, Um, you know, Eno Benjamin had played really well at times, but he ended up with just 27% of snaps last week. So I don't have much confidence that Eno Benjamin is going to see a big uptick this week. I think James Conner is somebody that you can definitely look to play. Um, he rushed the ball for six and a half yards per carry last week and caught all five of his targets. So if push comes to shove and you're looking for a very different play, I don't expect a lot of people to be on James Conner this week. Yeah, and L.A. has won 11 of 12 against Arizona. I mentioned they met in week three. Both teams have gone loss-loss, win-loss-loss since that meeting. Last time we were looking at Rams minus 3.5, total was 48.5. This time we're down to Rams minus 1.5. The total's only 41. If Stafford plays, I like the Rams at home to win this and to cover at 1.5. If he doesn't, 
I, I think you have to go Arizona. Uh, or at least I, I will go Arizona there. Either way, though, I think the under hits again in this one, especially if neither of those starting quarterback plays or uh, Kyler plays and Stafford doesn't or vice versa. How about you? Yeah, and it's kind of like this is the worst possible time for this to happen to Stafford yeah. because it's kind of a loser-goes-home match, really. Like, both these teams desperately need a win, but – because of what you've said, John Wolford starting, and I think that Arizona defense with TJ Watt, uh, sorry, JJ Watt, and you know, they've been getting after people lately. And I think that defense is an interesting one to play in DFS. I'm going with the Arizona side of things and the over to land because 41 just feels just a smidge too low. Los Angeles Chargers plus seven at San Francisco. Justin Herbert struggled without Josh, uh, Josh, not Josh Allen, without Keenan Allen and Mike Williams last week. He has one top 12 QB finish over the last four games. And that one was a QB eight finish where he was saved by a late meaningless touchdown to Austin Eckler in that loss to Seattle. So most people probably have to start him in season long, unless you were able to pick up someone earlier in the season as a replacement. Um, but are you imagine probably avoiding him altogether in DFS against San Francisco? I think so. I think, you know, and he's on, this is the Sunday night game, right? So he'll be in for single game showdown slates. So it's kind of, you know, if you're putting together those single game showdown slate lineups, you need to tell yourself a story and those stories are going to have to be, okay, Justin Herbert can pay off his salary here, but the Niners allow the eight fewest points to quarterbacks in fantasy. Um, and it just hasn't looked the same as it did last year. I mean, you know, Josh Palmer had a good game last week, but there wasn't really anyone but him. It was kind of really good to see Austin Eckler actually doing some damage in the running game last week. I think it, before last week, he only had one game where he'd averaged over four yards per carry, and he'd racked up more in one game than he'd managed in the previous four combined. So perhaps that's something they lean into. I mean, this San Francisco defense, as we were, you know, as you were mentioning, like they they allow the seven fewest points in fantasy to running backs, but they do allow the seventh most fantasy points to running backs in the receiving game. So perhaps it's another big Eckler game. And if you want to build a single game showdown slate lineup around that, you can stack Herbert with Eckler and hope the passing game explodes but goes through Eckler. Yeah, and you mentioned Josh Palmer and DeAndre Carter. Uh, both could be quality plays in game that I have to throw. I think Palmer probably the better option there. Uh, at, on the San Francisco side, though, you've got Debo Samuel likely back. They've got a ton of weapons there now. How far down does Brandon Ayuk fall uh, in the pecking order here and for fantasy? I know you and I were both high on him coming into the season in the first few weeks with Trey Lance. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of fine with Brandon Ayuk playing him. Uh, you know, if you play, need someone to play in your flex positions, he's averaged 6.8 targets per game, which is behind Debo 7.9. But where Ayuk get you, gets used a lot is in the downfield passing game. And he's averaged, uh, he's had five deep targets for the season compared to Debo's two. You know, and Ray Ray McLeod has more than Debo. So really, Ayuk is that deep threat for them. And I'd be fine playing in them against this Chargers team that, you know, you just never seem to know what you're going to get from the defense. Yeah, and looking at this one, you mentioned the defense, the offense, they both struggled the last four weeks. Offense is 25th, defense 22nd. Still looking at the spread, it's seven points. 
you so you kind of never know what you're going to get. I'm going to side with primetime. They're going to, they're going to play well. I think they're able to cover just barely um, that the, the touchdown and PAT spread. I do think the 49ers win and looking at, this is another one. Chargers play very quick. They're number one in situation, neutral pace, number two overall 49ers near the bottom. So they kind of even each other out, but between the 49ers offense, all those weapons, Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler on the other side. I like the over uh, to hit on Sunday night at 45 and a half. It doesn't seem really too high, uh, and I think it, it should probably be a few points higher there. How about you? I'm, I'm just leaning with the under on this one. I think the charges do cover. Seven seems pretty big, really. Um, but, yeah, this just feels like something that could be like 2024 or something around there. Um, but, yeah, hopefully it's at least entertaining. It's the first meeting of the year between Washington and Philadelphia. Eagles are 10.5-point favorites, 44-point total. Washington is number two against the run, only 25th against the pass. Huge day incoming, I think, for Jalen Hurts and these Eagles receivers, uh, receiving players. Who's your best captain play there on Monday night? It's, I mean, A.J. Brown's going to be hands down the most popular. I think, you know, it's very easy to – just look at that and be like, well, that seems like the most obvious play, and it's where probably the field will go if they're not taking Jalen Hurts. I don't really lean towards Dallas Goddard because uh, Washington have allowed the second fewest fantasy points to tight ends this season. Uh, in terms of wide receivers, I mean, like I love Devonta Smith, and he keeps hurting me. Like you know, his last two fantasy finishes have been fifty-four and fifty-four, so. We've seen those big ceiling games, so I'll probably create a couple of lineups and one will have Devonta Smith as the captain, just hoping that people have been burned by him and don't want to play him. But, yeah, it's not been pretty lately. Yeah, the good news is that I've got here Washington is dead last against wide receiver too. So uh, could be a good play there to keep people, like you said, most people going A.J. Brown. Could be one of those big Devonta Smith games. Uh, like I didn't see his receiving prop yet. I didn't see it up yet, but it'd be interesting to see him would lean towards the over based on that and just the fact I think they're going to have a big game. Any viable starts outside Mc, uh, Terry McLaurin? I know he's probably not a captain play because he's got a tough matchup, but I feel like you still got to include him in those lineups, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, we've seen Taylor Heineke. He's been pretty good for Terry McLaurin. I mean, you know, he does, Taylor Heineke does lead the NFL in turnover worthy play rate at 8%, but we've seen McLaurin have these big blow up games that he wasn't necessarily having with Carson Wentz because Carson Wentz was just chucking down to Curtis Samuel so often. I think if you're looking to start one of the running backs, the only one I'd consider is Antonio Gibson. Brian Robinson hasn't looked particularly great. Antonio Gibson is the only one of the two running backs to average more than four yards per carry in a game. Uh, Gibson's also had like a 12% target share over the last few weeks. So he seems to be taking on the J.D. McKissick role, but he's also just running better than Brian Robinson and using the reps better. So at a real push, I'd start Antonio Gibson or I'd put him into you know DFS lineups. And then looking at, again, spread 10.5 points, 44-point total. What do you think there on Monday night? Uh, I'm going, you know, pretty obvious here. I'm just going Eagles with the spread and money line and uh, – the under not having enough faith in Washington to be at a fight back. Yep. I agree with you. The Washington offense has been better with Taylor Heineke still only 22nd in DVA DVOA Philly does struggle against the run, but Washington is going to have to throw to keep up with them. Now Houston covered on a short week, but with that mini buy uh, having played last Thursday, I like Philly to cover 
Before we go today, though, don't forget you can get that free $100 from Underdog Fantasy using promo code OUTSIDERS. They'll match your deposit up to $100 for their, you can use it for their Battle Royale or their Pick'em in any game and across games using promo code OUTSIDERS. Also, don't forget to sign up for FO Plus at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe to get NFL betting picks, fantasy advice, premium stats, articles, get an ad-free experience, and you get access to all of our data a day early on Monday instead of having to wait until Tuesday. And last but certainly not least, join us on the Football Outsiders Discord for in-game conversation for every game, all day Sunday, Monday night, and on Thursday night as well. Tom, thank you for joining me as you do every week. Everyone out there, enjoy the action. May your fantasy teams win this week and all your bets hit.